Hello, everyone. I'm divorce attorney Kim Shashinsky. Thank you for tuning in to Happily Even After. You can listen to me live every Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. at 103.9 FM or online at linewsradio.com. I am on a mission, and that mission is to keep divorcing couples out of the legal system and to help them come up with creative solutions to their issues without wasting their life savings and destroying their family. If you're considering divorce, give me a call at 516-308-2922 or email me at kmc at adrlawny.com. Let's have a conversation and explore what your options are. My guest today is certified life coach Heidi Kranz, who specializes in divorce and dating. Heidi is the host of her podcast called Break Up to Breakthrough with Coach Heidi K. And she's the co-host of a new TV series called Have You Heard? Heidi's on the faculty of IPEC coaching, and she trains new coaches across the United States and internationally. Welcome, Heidi. I am so excited to have you here today. Hey, Kim. Thank you for having me on. I'm so happy to be talking with you. Oh, you're very welcome. So, Heidi, just about every client I ever have eventually gets around to asking the question, can I start dating? Everyone's free to date at any point during the divorce process. There's, there's no rules against it. But I always tell them that the question they should be asking is, am I ready to date? I'm divorced myself, and I've been single for almost 13 years. And I can remember in the very beginning feeling like I was ready to get out there and be in a new relationship. Oh, my God, was I wrong. I didn't, it didn't take me very long at all for me to realize that I was not ready. Just because I had a clear understanding of what I didn't like about my marriage did not make me ready to be in a new relationship. First, I had to figure out who I was in my marriage and what needed to change before I could be ready to enter a new relationship. It felt like I went through this process where I pulled myself apart, looked at all the pieces, decided which ones I wanted to keep, discard or change, and then reassembled myself. It, it really, the whole process takes a lot of self-reflection. So you're an expert on all things divorce and dating, and it's your job to help, figure, help people figure out when they're ready to date. What are some of the ways that you help someone work through that discovery process? Yeah, what a great question. And, you know, your your clients are so lucky that you're reflective about it in this way. Um, it's really a hot topic that so many people come into coaching grappling with. Um, so basically, you know, I start out by explaining to people that, you know, we're healing from pain of a divorce and everybody heals at a different rate, just like we heal from surgery or from injury at different rates, or even from a skinned knee. Um, just because one person is ready faster doesn't mean another person is. We get, we're ready at different rates, just like we are when we're physically healing. So we want to stay away from kind of recipes like, um, you know, this person was ready in six months. How come I'm not? This person was ready in one month. How come I'm not? Um, I should be ready sooner or I should be taking longer. So we want to take the should out of this and we want to stop shoulding all over ourselves. <laughs> That's one of my favorite expressions. <laughs> on my computer, I have a little piece of paper tape that says no more shooting on myself. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to copy that idea. So, um, so we don't want to should as to, you know, the rate of, of how long it takes 
it's individual. It, so it's just like the grieving the process. It's, I'm sorry. It's just like the grieving process when when there's a death. It, no, but no two people grieve at the same rate, and no two people grieve in the same way. Exactly, exactly. So this process is all about really tuning into our inner wisdom and letting that guide us. So no one from the outside is wiser about you to tell you when you're ready. You have all the answers within. Each person knows when they're ready. So some of the some of the things that trip people up and make them feel like they're not ready, a big one is they're still feeling ambivalent about their past relationship, about their divorce, or about their ex. Um, it's so uncomfortable for us human beings to feel ambivalent. So, you know, at one point in time or even one minute, um, the, the client might feel, um, I'm so happy to be rid of this person. I'm so well rid of them. And the other minute is feelings of missing, feelings of grieving, feelings of um, doubting your decision, yeah. uh, feelings of regret. Mm-hmm. And it's all jumbled in there together. So people sometimes start to even panic when they feel that ambivalence because they start to say to themselves, I thought I was all, uh, totally over him. I thought I was totally over her. I thought I was past my process. And now today I found myself crying. So how do you help somebody pull apart those emotions? Yeah, so the the first thing to realize is that it's perfectly normal to feel that ambivalence. And it's perfectly normal and common to feel it for a long time. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not ready to date. Um, Because that, that can go on. Things can trigger that ambivalence and, like you said, that grieving for a long time. And it doesn't mean that you're not ready to move on. You have to learn how to uh, assimilate both of those feelings into your life. Exactly, exactly. And the ambivalence itself doesn't mean that you're not ready. Um, so other other um, issues that make so many clients feel like they're not ready is when they're, um, they come to me and they say, Heidi, how can I possibly date again? Uh, my judgment is so impaired. I ended up with this partner and, you know, things were went so badly. You know, sometimes terrible things have happened. I, I ended up with this partner. How can I ever trust my judgment again? How can I go into the dating world? That self-doubt can what, be very, very powerful. Yes, yes. And so here's what I have to say. Guess what? There is nothing wrong with your judgment. You probably knew these things about the relationship and about your partner from very early on. You just chose not to follow your judgment, not to follow what your inner wisdom was telling you. Um, But it was there. And if you think about even from your very first interaction, there there was something that uh, rang an alarm bell deep inside of you. Maybe it was the way that the person spoke to the server in the restaurant. Maybe it was the, their facial expression when you shared something with them. Maybe they rolled their eyes. Maybe it was a derogatory comment they made. Maybe they weren't listening when you were sharing something important. But it happened probably on your first date. Mm-hmm. And what happened was you said to yourself, oh, but there are so many other positives. It's okay. And just stuffed it down. Yeah. So we have such a propensity to only see what we want to see when we meet somebody yeah. that we think we really like. 
We only want to see the good parts. And you just kind of ignore those little red flags. But I love I love that expression that you used, inner wisdom. Your inner wisdom really does know. You feel it. Yeah. You just yes. choose to ignore it. Yes, you felt something visceral. Right. But you were maybe feeling a lot of attraction, um, or maybe there were so many other positives, or maybe there was fear of, oh, maybe I won't meet somebody else. These are all, you know, things that so many of us have experienced. Mm -hmm. So you stuffed it down. Now you have the opportunity to really tune into that inner wisdom and not stuff it down when you you, uh, feel that visceral feeling about somebody. Mm -hmm. You can learn to trust it. But again, there's nothing wrong with your judgment. It was sharp as can be then, and it's sharp as can be now. You're just hopeful with life experience that now you know not to ignore those feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, exactly. So we're here speaking with certified life coach Heidi Kranz, and we're talking about dating and divorce. So Heidi, what are some of the things that people can do to get prepared for reentering the dating world? Yeah, that's a that's a great question that I get asked very often, and it's really the basis of of my signature system called Love with a Plan. Oh, you have a so, system. I love it. <laughs> it's a system. I take you through it step by step. Oh, do and, tell. <laughs> and the, the 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 reason that the system was developed was because I noticed in you know twelve years of dating coaching that. We approach every aspect of our lives with a very well-thought-out plan. Our careers, our education, our parenting, even our vacations are so well-thought-out. But somehow when it comes to our love lives, we sort of jump in with no plan at all. And then we get pulled around by the current. We get pulled towards physical attraction. We get pulled towards the right place at the right time. We get pulled towards somebody who might be pursuing us. And none of these are generally the recipe for uh, a healthy, successful relationship going forward. Oh, that's forward. so true. The whole thing, the pulls, makes you feel very reactive. Yeah, mm. yes. And so we want to really take a more powerful approach where we're not chosen by somebody. We do the choosing and we do it based on our own criteria. So step one of love with a plan is really coming up with the core traits that you must have in a partner. When you think about yourself with this person five years down the road, what needs to be in place about this person so that when you're alone in the house and the door is shut and you're sitting on the couch, what needs to be in place for you to be happy with this partner? And so even if you're not ready to think about being with somebody in a committed way as of yet, you are ready to start thinking about what are those criteria, those those enduring criteria that will be the same about a person later on that you're looking for. But and doesn't this, doesn't this, making a list of criteria make it a rigid, make you rigid and maybe close-minded to something or someone that's not, that doesn't have those characteristics? Yes, it, it, it can. And that's why in this plan, you only get five core traits on your list, just about five. Oh, okay. Not a long laundry list. It's your core traits that are deal breakers if they're not in place. 
And you need to think about them really carefully and define each one exactly what it means for you. Mm -hmm. But the kicker of the system is that you make a commitment to yourself to be flexible about every other trait that comes along. And there will be things that come along that are disappointing, that you wish were otherwise. But if they're not on your five must-have list, you are committed to be flexible and compromising and accepting of the person the way that you wish to be accepted with your strengths and weaknesses. That's kind of what makes it work in a non-rigid way. Rigid way, It actually allows people to, to open up to uh, explore many, uh, you know, many characteristics in people because they're just loyal to those five that they chose. And are those five um, categories or are they so your own personal five? They're your own personal five. Mm-hmm. But what I encourage is looking at traits that are enduring. So, for example, you know, many people are going to say they want to be attracted to the person. And, of course, we do. Um, so if they're choosing the, the, the trait of good looking, you know, that may be here today and gone tomorrow or next week or next year or in five years. So what I'm encouraging is, Look for enduring characteristics or values or traits. So maybe somebody that values healthy living, a healthy living style. Mm -hmm. If they do, you know, barring unforeseen circumstances, they're likely going to look attractive in five years, too, Mm -hmm. as opposed to somebody who doesn't value that type of living. Right. Um, So so that's kind of a, a simple sort of concrete example of what I mean by enduring traits. So it's not a specific um, characteristic, such like you said, of being good looking. It's the overall um, way someone leads their life. If they lead a healthy lifestyle and you're attracted to them now, chances are you're going to be attracted to them in five or 10 years because they live that healthy lifestyle. Yes, as opposed to they just looked at, looked out right now with really good genes and they don't live a healthy lifestyle, then probably in five or 10 years, they're going to look dramatically different. Right. Um, you know, in, in just, you know, common cases, of course, there are, uh, you know, different things that happen in our lives. The same thing, you know, people are looking for somebody who is financially secure. Mm-hmm. And of course we are. People come out of divorce, they don't want to carry somebody on their back. Right. Um, even with that, you want to look at does this person have money today? Money is here today, gone tomorrow. A good job is here today, gone tomorrow. What are the underlying traits? So is this person ambitious? Are they responsible? Um, are they intelligent? Those are probably traits that are going to have them land on their feet, even if they made one bad investment or lost a job. So again, that trait is encompassed in a larger uh, way of living your life. Yes. Exactly, Kim. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So that becomes your dating Bible. That becomes your dating Bible to guide you. So you don't want to just jump in here with no plan at all. You want to be looking through that lens all the time. So from your very early conversation, you're gathering information from a place of curiosity, um, gathering information, seeing what points to the possibility that this person has your must-have trait. Because if they don't, then you're not going to kind of waste your time and energy and burn out of the dating world 
by exploring the possibility when you know early on that it's not going to work for you. And typically, you, you're going to come to know those things about someone in the you know first date two or three, I would think. You are. You are when you're listening really closely. Mm-hmm. You know. So I always like to encourage people to remember we have two ears and one mouth. Use them <laughs> in that ratio. Mm-hmm. Listen, double the amount that you're speaking. You're going to hear everything you need to know. And you're certainly going to be able to start ascertaining if the person has the traits that you're looking for. Right. And especially listen with your inner wisdom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a different kind of listening. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, okay. So once someone makes the decision that, okay, I'm ready to date and you get yourself all prepared, how do you overcome the fear and the anxiety when you haven't been on the dating scene in years? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've, we've all been through it and it, it can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's pushing out of our comfort zone and as we know, out of our comfort zone, that's where the magic happens. That's right. So, um, you know, it, it, it's about pushing ourselves. And how do we get ready for it? Part of it, what really works for people a lot, is getting lost in that listening. Okay, so you're prepared with your list of what you're looking for. You're prepared to be flexible about everything else. And now you go on the date or to the singles event. And you're asking lots of open-ended questions, um, and you're just sitting back and listening. So if you focus on your listening and you focus on what the person is sharing with you, it helps you shed the nervousness rather than thinking about, what am I going to say next, and how do I look, and what do they think of me? Right. None of that matters. Mm -hmm. What matters is you are evaluating them. So you want to get out of the head of, oh, no, I'm being evaluated. Right. And get into the head of, I am evaluating this person, not from a judgmental place, but just from, hey, might this be the right fit? Right. And so asking an open-ended question, listening, following it up with another open-ended question. Open-ended questions mean it's not just a yes or no answer. It opens up conversation. So, for example, it's the difference between, did you like the movie? Now you get a yes or a no conversation over. Right. What What did you like most about mm-hmm. the movie? Now you're going to learn a lot about the person. Right. So that's an open-ended questions are going to start with who, what, where, when, how, tell me about. Those are all going to generate lots of conversation. And that is going to endear you to the person because you're keeping the conversation going. You're giving them the gift of feeling heard. And you're also learning everything about them really quickly so you can make a wise decision. Right, right. That's that's a great, great advice. Those are really some terrific tips. Yeah, yeah. Something else that, you know, um, is really helpful is, is really um, working on confidence building techniques. And that's what I work on a lot with my coaching clients. Um, and so... One place to start with that, you know, because when we're coming out of a divorce, we've been through so so many lumps and bumps and our self-esteem and confidence has often really taken a beating. So we, we need to look to build it back and build it back, you know, um, part of that is recognizing our own positive traits. So I'm really big on lists, 
as as you all get to know me, you'll learn that. Mm-hmm. So you've got your list about what you're looking for. Now you want to create your list about all the positive about you. Um, and the great thing about this list is it's not confined to five. This can be as long as you like. <laughs> That's you good. <laughs> really, I, I challenge my clients to, you know, within one week in between our sessions to write down at least 20 positives about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, anything from I have a nice smile to I make a good omelet to I'm intelligent and everything in between that and beyond. Mm-hmm. If it's positive and it's about you, it belongs on the list. So it's self-affirmations. Yeah. So you want to include positives about yourself on that list, positives about your appearance, about your personality, about your character, about your spirit, your attitude, your talent. All of those positives belong on there so that you're kind of used to articulating them. Not that you're going to go on a date and read off your list of what's great about you, but you want to have it at the forefront of your mind so so that you have that confidence and, and you have the words that can roll off your tongue when there's, um, you know, a space for that, when the conversation calls for it. So that's like a starting place to build back that self-esteem and confidence that might have taken the the beating during the divorce process. Yeah. So I I spend a lot of time talking to my clients about dating. And I hear what you're saying about how to build your self-confidence. But how do they get over the fear of walking out the door and going and physically meeting someone at a restaurant? Or or there's that anxiety of, um, it, it's it's an unknown at this point in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, first of all, you know, it's important to know that it's normal and common to feel fearful like that. And, um, you know, you've got to start somewhere. So, you know, maybe start with, you know, um, when I give um, workshops, dating success workshops for singles, it's a place often a landing ground for people who are newly, you know, newly embarking on the dating world. So it's really scary for them to come out to this kind of singles event workshop, but it's less pressure than going, let's say, to a party or a dance. Oh, yeah. um, Something that is more focused on, you know, meeting. So maybe choose someplace to integrate with other single people that isn't so pressurized. And, you know, maybe has a facilitator such as myself that's going to, you know, uh, facilitate discussion and connection between people that's not pressurized of like it it has to be a date. Yeah. You know, that's Um, great. That's like a a midway point between, um, you know, going to the restaurants and hanging around the bar or in the Internet dating. And and speaking of... You know, I I started dating my former husband when I was 21 years old, and we were together for 25 years. And I can remember thinking when we separated that dating was going to be just like it was when I was 21. I really quickly realized that I was not the, um, you know, the bar scene type. And as a single working mother, my day-to-day universe of people was pretty small, and it didn't include any single men. I was horrified by the idea of online dating. It felt like I was making myself vulnerable to all the crazies in the world. It was it was a horrible feeling, and I resisted it for years. So these you know these organized activities that you do are a great you know stepping stone to getting ready for the internet. 
Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, what you experienced, Kim, is, is so common. Um, I experienced similar after getting divorced after a long marriage. And I, you know, I thought people were crazy telling me to go Internet dating. I'm saying I'm going to meet a stranger in a restaurant. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's But, different. you know, necessity is the mother of invention. It sure is. <laughs> Um, you know, I want. I was looking for companionship, and I wasn't really having such an easy time finding it elsewhere. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing to do with the fear about the online dating is to focus on the possibility. You know, so focus on the possibility. It's it's a forum where you can, you know, in your in the comfort of your home, in your jammies, at whatever time it works for you. You can, you know, meet hundreds or thousands of people. So the more possibilities you bring in, the more possibility it is that you can sift through and find that, you know, needle in a haystack because you're bringing in so many right, possibilities. Right, right. That's so very true. you want to focus true. on that. Yeah. And you want to focus on the many success stories. Um, so I'm remarried now. I never would have met my husband had I not embarked on Internet dating. Oh. Paths would have never crossed. Um <laughs> So, so I'm super grateful of, for it, and so are many of my clients. Now, of course, you want to approach it with uh, safety strategies. Um, there are no guarantees for safety. There are no guarantees for safety anywhere in our lives. But, um, you know, so basic safety strategies. You're meeting a stranger. You're going to meet in a public place. You're not going to get into anybody's vehicle or home or allow them into yours. They're not going to pick you up at your home. You're not sharing your address. You don't share your place of work address. Um, you know, so these, look, anybody can find anybody these days. That's so true. But you don't want to make it so easy. You don't need to share your last name at the beginning. Right. Um, you can, you know, when you, you need to say what town you're from, you could use a neighboring town just so you can get your feet wet and start to realize that really most of the people on online dating are just like you. They're looking for companionship and love, and it's not that easy to find it out there in other ways in the world. So, um, of course, there are dangerous people on there. So you want to implement those safety strategies carefully. Well, that's very good advice. That really is. Well, mm-hmm. uh, Heidi, I can't believe that we are come to the uh, the end of our time for today. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for sharing all that great advice with me and our, oh, our so audience. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'd love to have you back yeah. sometime. Thanks. So, Heidi, tell us what's the best way for people to reach you? So come on over and join my Facebook group. It's called Break Up to Breakthrough with Coach Heidi K. You can get a lot of support there from the other members as well as from me. Feel free to call me at 516-313-3185. Email me at K at gmail.com. And I invite you to listen to my podcast at Break Up to Breakthrough with Coach Heidi K. That's Looking wonderful. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Happily Even After. I'm divorce attorney Kim Shashinsky. And if you're thinking that it is time to end your marriage and begin creating the new life that awaits you, let's talk about how to get you started so that you too can live happily even after. Call me at 516-308-2922 or email me at kmc at adrlawny.com. Everyone stay safe and healthy and have a great night.